Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you joined us. It's time to look into God's word. And as we do, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us, God's spirit to speak to us, because he knows exactly who you are, where you're at and what you need to hear from him this morning. And he's always got something on his heart for us. Let's invite our speaker. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for God, the Holy Spirit, that you promised and then you delivered and you sent him 50 days after you returned to heaven. And he has been with us and in us. And he has been teaching us and reminding us that we are yours. And he has been telling us about the good things that we have in Christ Jesus. He's walking us through difficult times. He's walking us out of difficult places. Lord God, he counsels us. Uh, lying in our bed late at night as we wrestle with life's challenges, he counsels us. As we speak to people, he gives us wisdom. And as we, as we encourage those uh, around us and as we serve those around us, he gives us a vision for what our life can be like if we invest in the kingdom of God. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I ask that he speak to us because I have no way to know where people are at. I don't know my wisdom, my understanding and my words can never go the distance that the Lord Jesus uh, and his spirit can take it. Lord, this morning, I pray that everyone listening to this voice, everyone listening to this word would get something directly from you and that you would give your servant the, the ability and the, uh, and the skill to get out of the way. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. I'm so glad again that you're with us. And today we're looking at a short letter series, one letter in the Bible called John. So we have one John, two John, three John. And today we're looking at third John. Let's begin. Have you ever sat down at your dining table and considered the significant difference it can make for the kingdom of God? Yeah, you heard me right. Have you ever sat down at your dining table and considered this table? What difference can it make for the kingdom of God? What is it? A four seater, a six seater, eight seater? Your table, your dining table, your dining table for the gospel, your dining table for the kingdom of God. Can it make a significant difference? We're in this short letter series and uh, we're talking about a man named Gaius. And in John 3, John writes a letter of recommendation and he basically recommends and, and, and refers this amazing ministry of hospitality that Gaius had. And he gets this from people who have visited him and sat at his table and been in his home and come back to tell the church about it. Come back to tell the believers about this guy called Gaius. So here's a, a recommendation of this one man's hospitality and his family. So John thought it's so important that he should write a, a letter, an actual letter of recommendation that goes into scripture. That's how significant this ministry of hospitality was. It showed support. It showed care. It showed risk, it showed investment, it showed love, and most of all, it showed a partnership in the gospel, a partnership in the gospel. When you and I, we go out to dinner, quite oftentimes, it's, it's for the enjoyment of the food, it's in for the enjoyment of the company. But sometimes we call it business lunches, or we call it business meals, 
where we sit down and we show hospitality to somebody we hope to have better business with. And that is what I'm talking about here. Understanding that our table is not just a food for the gut, but it's faith for the goodness of God, faith for the gospel. That's what we're talking about. So we must use our table as a ministry of hospitality. Every home has got a table. Every family sits around a table. And the Lord Jesus institute, instituted the Lord's table. We should be hospitable to everyone, but more so to those who have left everything behind to serve God. Those who themselves are out of home. Some call them missionaries. Some call them gospel workers. Some itinerant evangelists. Some pastors. It is a great opportunity to have people at our table who love God, serve God with their whole lives. It's an opportunity to introduce our children to them. I grew up with this very rich heritage. My mom and dad taught the world of people who served Christ, uh, who had given up everything, who had given up dreams and ambitions and everything. There are two views of people who are like that. One view is a very carnal Christian view. And that is, these guys didn't make it in the world. They were not able to hold a career. They're not, they were not able to uh, establish themselves in the world with, with a career or a profession. And therefore, they went into ministry. That's a pathetic cop-out for lack of faith. They don't understand the depth and the reward that is waiting for those who took that. But there are those who recognize that though we had all the opportunities, though we had all the, the chances to make it big, to make it successful and to make it great in the world and make a name for ourselves, these people stepped out of that and said, I would rather become nothing so Jesus becomes everything and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. These are our frontliners. These are our people who are the frontline in the battle for the gospel and the kingdom of God. And when we introduce our children to them and allow them to hang out near them and talk to them, we allow for the heart of God through the heart of these servants of God to be rubbed off onto our children. If we value it, we'll allow that to happen. I had the rich, rich heritage and the privilege of having many, many missionaries, pastors, men of God, women of God, families who serve God come and sit at our table. And I would watch my mom and dad just run around in circles to, to give them the best of the best. In fact, we put our very best from the shelves and from the fridge and from everything we had onto the table to tell these people how beloved and how cared for they were. Let's get into it. The Gospel of John, the third letter, and he's talking about guys. And let's see how we could take a few things over for ourselves and some lessons away from today's sermon. So we have this letter written on the basis of the fact that these particular brothers, we don't know who they are, they had visited Gaius's home and they had been recipients of the, of, the, of the hospitality of Gaius and his family. And now they had come back and had shared to John and had shared to the church about uh, all that they had experienced. These are the kind of guests. These are the kind of guests we need to take very seriously. Guests that are out and about for the gospel. Guests that make our home a missionary stop. 
make our home a missionary stop on their way to a missionary assignment, a ministry assignment, a mission ground. Write it down if you're taking notes. But number one, guests like these tell stories of your faith life. Guests like these tell stories of your faith life. Look at what he says in verse three. For I rejoiced greatly. John's talking. He's writing and he says, nothing brought me more joy than this. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came. These are the guys I was talking about who talked about Gaius. The brothers came and they testified of your truth. Now he's talking to Gaius and he's telling them, these guys came and told me about you. And testified of your truth as indeed you are walking in the truth. I want you to note that down. Note that phrase. Memorize that phrase. Make it dare. Note that phrase, memorize that phrase and make it dear. Are you walking in the truth? He says, these guys came and the first thing they told us was not how great the chicken biryani was. They didn't tell you how, how loaded you were uh, financially or how fantastic your front porch looked. He said, as we sat there at the, at the table, what we picked up on, uh, from, these, from Gaius and his family was these are people who are walking in the truth. Guests like these tell stories of your fit life. When they sit at our table, they pick up, they pick up what's great about our faith, how who our trust is in, and who our eyes are on, and where we think this food's coming from, and why we want to share it with others. And our heart is is shared over meals. Meals are a fantastic thing. Meals are a way of absolutely disarming our our otherwise uh, calloused personalities. Meals are a way to, to make a bridge over into any culture because everybody eats. <laughs> Guests like these tell stories of your faith life. So he says, I rejoice, I rejoice because the brothers came and they testified to your truth. Indeed, that you're walking in the truth. Twice the word truth is used and the first time he uses the word walking in the truth in the very next verse he uses that phrase again he says I have no greater joy so he starts by saying for I rejoice greatly and then he says I have no greater joy than to hear that my children again are walking in the truth in two verses in literally the next sentence he uses the same phrase twice which which makes you want to stop circle it and say I need to study this I need to study this. This then looks like the very subject of this book, this letter, this episode. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. What is what brings a spiritual father greater joy than that his spiritual children are walking in the truth? A father provides, but a father disciplines. A spiritual father provides spiritual food and a spiritual father provides spiritual discipline. And the Bible says clearly that if you love your children, you'll discipline them. Discipline is an act of love that comes from a father that wants his children to stay on the straight and narrow because they will not realize the danger until it is too late. They will not realize they're going off track until it is too late. They are not given to discipline, they, they have to be disciplined. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, look at the tender words he uses, my children are walking. So Gaius is obviously a spiritual offspring of John and in his ministry. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers. 
strangers as they are. Look at that. Please look at that. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, these particular guys who came and stayed at your place. Why? Strangers as they are. So I know them, but you don't know them. Yet they are testifying of your hospitality. See, if you are only hospitable to friends, that says nothing. Even the Gentiles do that. The Bible says even, even those the pagans do that. Everybody does that. Everybody is good to their friends. Everybody has friends over. But when strangers come, then you have to ask the question, what do I have in common with these people? It's not charity. What do I have in common with these people? How can people from two nations come together and sit at the same table and suddenly bond as family? How can people of different cultures and different creeds and different uh, kingdoms come together and sit at the same table and fellowship together? It can only mean one thing, that you have in common the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth. Because that is one family you can find anywhere on the face of the earth. Wherever you go to any nation, to any village, to any city, you will always find people who love Jesus and they will love you because they love Jesus. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers strangers as they are who testified to your love before the church they said they didn't know us they don't know us from adam and we showed up and they treated us like we were friends they treated us like we were we were family i mean from day one the moment we walked in it just felt like we were home have you ever known people like that that love doesn't flow from personality no 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 that love doesn't flow from just being an extrovert personality. That love doesn't flow from just liking the concept of hospitality or liking, uh, you know, to be social or to entertain people. That love for absolute strangers comes from a love for the Lord Jesus. And as soon as you see people who serve Christ, as soon as you meet them, you suddenly want to give everything you have to show your love for Jesus to them. Guests like these tell stories of your faith life. Write a second thing down that you take away from this story. Guests like these deserve your hospitality. That's a very interesting point John makes here. And I want you to note that guests like these deserve your hospitality. Look at what he says. He says, you will do well. You will do well. He's talking to Gaius who has already been hospitable. Okay. He's already been hospitable to them. They've already come back. They've already bragged on him. And they've already told the whole church what an amazing man and, fr and friend and, and the brother he was and his family and home, etc., etc. He says, but you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. In a manner worthy of God. Guests like these deserve your hospitality because when they come, you should treat them like the way you would treat Jesus if he showed up at your door. If Jesus showed up in your church, if Jesus showed up and sat next to you in church, if Jesus showed up at your home, if Jesus showed up in your inbox, how would you respond if you knew it was Christ? What would be different in your response? And that is how you need to treat these guests. Guests like these deserve your hospitality. Verse 7, for they have gone out for the sake 
of the name underline that for they have gone out for the sake of the name obviously the name of Jesus and then second thing he says is accepting nothing from the Gentiles see Gentile people came in from all walks of life walks of faith they came in and and, and they were just making it in this in 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 this new faith they were coming to Christ learning to walk like Christ they hadn't yet learned to tithe they hadn't yet learned to you know to give and they were just they were babies in their faith. And he said he didn't. These people are not those who take advantage of vulnerable people, vulnerable people in their faith. These are not people who these are not guests who took advantage and, and demanded from those who claim to be new believers in Christ, new children in the family of God. There are people like that. They, the, the moment, because you don't know much and you're new to the Jesus and everybody who says Jesus, you think, wow, great, he must have one foot in heaven. New to the faith and, and, and you're still working through some of your problems. You're still working through some of your addictions. You're still hurting from the past. And, 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 and your faith is vulnerable. Maybe you're in a critical state. Maybe you're still struggling with sickness. And there are people who pray on your faith. P-R-E-Y. They pray on your faith and they, and, they, and, they, and they take advantage of vulnerable. He says, not these guys. Not these guys. For they have gone out, number one, for the sake of the name. And number two, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. They are not demanding anything from anyone. So when you see people who are not out in ministry for the money or for the resources, but they are there for the gospel and all they can do is eat, breathe and sleep and uh, the gospel. These are the guests you need to have hospitality to show hospitality. These are the guests who deserve your hospitality. They have gone out for the sake of the name and they have accepted nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, look at it, please underline it. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. We ought to support people like these. Why? They are fellow workers for the truth of the gospel. They are fellow workers for the truth. Let me tell you three things. Number one, they should be treated as if we are entertaining Jesus himself. A second thing is they have not demanded anything for their ministry. Those are the characters we need to uh, invest in. Those are the people we need to open our homes to. And these are the ones who deserve our support because they are fellow workers for the truth. I hope you got those three things, very powerful things as to why these particular guests deserve your hospitality. So let's go over from the top. Guests like these tell the story of your faith when they go to others because they've been at your table and they've eaten your food and they've heard your prayers. The second thing I left you this morning is guests like these deserve your hospitality. They deserve your hospitality. They deserve it because they have gone out for the sake of the name of Jesus. And number two, they have gone out not demanding anything in return. Everybody who goes into life, they want something back for what they give. In fact, they want 10 times back for the one that they give. But these people have gone out for the sake of the gospel. And one last one, and this is a complete different turn in the letter. And John over here takes the attention completely off uh, Gaius and he turns it on to another guy called Diotrephes. And just between you and me, I request you not to name your child Diotrephes. Okay, I will not dedicate that child. Just saying. Guests like these gossip and divide. Write it down. Guests like these gossip and divide. So he turns his attention off Gaius and he gives a contrast of guests that you just 
shouldn't associate with, people who you should not invest in. But unfortunately, a lot of us actually do because they're better placed in society. They seem to know more about the world and solutions. They seem to have an inside sense, according to them, of who's genuine in ministry and who's not. They seem to be critical and therefore more valued in their opinion because critiques seem to have a higher value in their opinion when actually their opinion doesn't matter. These guys are the ones who dress well and, and drive better cars. These are the ones that we just kind of want to be like, but we're not sure. Be careful. Guests like these divide and gossip. Look at verse 9. I have written something to the church, okay? But Diotrephes, so John is saying, I've been writing to you and I've written something, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So John has, has been involved in the, in the inception of this ministry. He's brought up men like Gaius and others, and even these brothers who have come back to talk about it. But among all of them, you also have those who come into the fellowship and they want to now use this new forum to elevate themselves, to elevate themselves. They always want to be number one. They always want to be seen. They want the spotlight on them. They want the attention. There are people like that. And he says, be careful of them. He says, I've written something to church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first. The old King James Version, which is what I grew up on, and this verse uh, and this phrase kind of stuck in my head because my dad used to often say he is like uh, Diotrephes who always wanted preeminence. He always wanted the preeminence. He wanted to be first. If he's at a prayer meeting, he wants to be first. If he's on the, in a service, he wants to be the first in line. If he wants, his name should come up on and off. And there must constantly be a thanks to him, a recognition of him, an acknowledgement of him and what he's done. These are characters that are just there. And the problem with them is that what comes out of their mouth isn't from God. What what fellowship they provide isn't of God. Number three, guests like these gossip and divide. Look at what he says in verse nine. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. That's the number one sign when people don't want to submit to the pastor, don't want to submit to the church elders, don't want to submit to the spiritual leadership. They, 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 they are they, kind of they're their own authority. They're their own authority. Beware of guests like that. And that usually comes from worldly wisdom because you've done well in the world. You've got a few extra figures of, of money in your bank. You've got a couple of extra degrees or you've, you've, you've gotten some accolades and you heard too much clapping for your name, if you know what I mean. It comes from there. And then one begins to become sovereign in their own head and they begin to rise and elevate or rather inflate uh, in this world. And as they get there, they begin to buck or they begin to defy spiritual authority. They are not able to distinguish between authority that is from uh, appointing and from anointing. 
They're not able to tell the difference between someone who's appointed and someone who's anointed. They don't know that the anointed one is far greater in authority than the appointed one. The appointed one will lose their position, but the anointed one will never lose their position. The appointed one got their power, their authority and their position from the world. But the anointed one has been called by God and his gifts and callings are irrevocable and he will be rewarded in heaven in front of the whole church. That is the difference between anointing and appointing. And these guys don't get that. Be careful. So if I come, verse 10, I will bring up what is doing, what he is doing. I'm going to talk about it. What is he doing? Four things. Talking wicked nonsense against us, number one. Number two, he refuses to welcome the brothers, same brothers that we're talking about who came back from Gaius. So anyone who comes elevating those who are in ministry, who are doing a good job or elevating the truth, those who are walking in the truth, anyone who focuses on real spiritual life, on real values and moves away from worldly thinking to to heavenly thinking, divine thinking, spiritual thinking, Christ-like thinking, supernatural thinking, they can't handle that. So if I come, I'm going to, I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us and not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers. And number three, the third thing he does is he stops those who do want to welcome them. You get that? See, he, do, he doesn't just have an opinion. He makes everybody else have his opinion. And finally, number four, he even puts them out of the church. So he controls the atmosphere of everybody so that everybody points to his opinion, gives him elevation, does what he says. And essentially, if you don't do uh, it my way, then there's the highway. If you don't do it my way, then it's out for you. Guests like these divide and gossip. Don't entertain them. Our tables are not meant for them. Let's conclude. So we're talking about our investment. Okay, we're talking about I know that was a bit morose, but let's let's get back to the good news. We're talking about our investment in the gospel by our ministry of hospitality. Hospitality. Let me ask you, is your home a welcome stopover, a missionary stop for those serving Christ's agenda? Is there food and a bed to spare for those passing through? How quick are you able to adjust your home to allow for one like that, for this type of guest to stay over? How quick are you able to adjust or do you not have place in your home? Are all the beds taken, all the rooms assigned? And there is, there's nothing, no place, no margin for those serving the Lord to make your home a stopover. Let me ask you one more question. Is anybody out talking about you like that? That you're walking in the truth? Hey, have you seen that family? That family has got the heart of Jesus on their table. Have you been there? My goodness, you could literally feel the love of Jesus around that table. Not only is the family loved, but their, their love is open to everyone. They make you feel at home. Is anyone anywhere giving reference to you walking in the truth because they visited you personally they saw your faith they received christ's love through you let me give you a few warnings 
Let me firstly warn us about our lifestyle, our modern lifestyle. See, in the olden days, even till about 40 years ago, our homes were a stopover for relatives and loved ones. But today we have to make appointments. We have to plan in advance. You can't just show up. There's no concept of margins and place for a friend, for a loved one. Even when we were growing up, we had friends drop in. Families would just hang out. They would just drop in. Today, you can't do that. Today, uh, most people know, no, you can't do that. You can't take up my time, lad. You should have told me you were coming. I, I need to plan. I need... No, no, life has not gotten more complicated than it was 200 years ago. Life has become more complex. It has become more, uh, more busy. It has become more stretched to the margins so that there's no margins left on the page. There's no more space. Let me warn us about modern day lifestyle. No margins, no space to breathe, to enjoy others, to give space, to give our lives, to give our time to others. Let me give you a second warning. A second warning is about big names and entertaining ministries. We look down on people who don't have a big name and don't have a big ministry. And we would rather sow into or we'd rather give to big names and big ministries. And we see a ministry that kind of moves us and inspires us and words that affect us and personalities that, 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 uh, that have us in awe. I, I'm glad that the church has gifts like that. I'm, I'm glad that there are people like that. And, and I'm glad that there's television ministries and, and authors and things like that. But we cannot just think about only investing in them. Let me warn us today. We need to not just invest in the big names, but the small names. Not in the visible, but the invisible. Those who are quietly working away in a village, cycling from one place to another. Their children may not eat tonight. There are pastors, missionaries, evangelists, there are those serving full time whose children may not eat dinner tonight. While we put our feet up and we are inspired by the ministry of millionaires. I need to warn us about that. Let me give you one more warning. How we talk about these people who are serving God full time in front of our children, the way we value or devalue them as if their calling is less than worldly careers. I said in the beginning, sometimes we think that we, they don't make it in the world. They couldn't make it in life. They couldn't uh, pass their exams. So therefore, they have gone into ministry. And true, there are some people who do that. But let God take care of that. God can handle his employees. God can handle his frontline soldiers, but not everybody is what you think they are. And we need to raise in our children's eyes the value of those who are in ministry. Raise in our children's eyes the sacrifice that those men and women have made for the gospel. Don't look down on them. Help your children look up to them. Even at the cost, I warn you, of your own children deciding to serve God with their life. Don't stop them either. In our church, we have five T points. I've been teaching this for many years. And if you check the five T points, like you take your card for servicing and you check all the 120 points in the engine and the, you are able to check the health of your, of your spiritual life. And the five T points are T for trumpet. That's your worship. 
your worship have you worshiped god have you gone to the service have you sung with others have you lifted up the name of jesus have you exalted christ today your trumpet blow your trumpet the second t is your tithe have you paid your tithe has the first tenth of your salary gone to God's work so that you 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 prove to God, show to God by the firstness of your first tenth, by the firstness of your first tenth, you prove to God your business is more important than my business, God, your business first, my business second, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will then be added to me. My 90% will be blessed if I give you my 10%. Tithe. The third T is stiffened. If you remember his little lunchbox as the boy came to Jesus, five loaves and two pieces of, and, and he takes that and he gives it to Jesus and Jesus multiplies that and he gives it out to everybody. We give our tiffin, whatever little we have, whatever gifts and talents we have, we give it to God. Then T is for team, where your small group, your prayer group, your care group gets together and prays together, missions together, plans together, serves together, your team. And last but not least, the fifth T, that I've been teaching about over the years is tea for table, tea for table, your table for the gospel. So today I want to, I want to encourage us. Let's dedicate our table for the gospel. Let's dedicate our table for hospitality. Let's make every week, at least one time, let's make a meal for somebody else and say, hey, come on over, come on over, come and come and eat with us. Uh, today we have allergies and we have all sorts of limitations and some eat at five o'clock, some eat at eight, 10 o'clock, some have intermittent fasting, some have fasting for intermittence. I just, there's so much complication because our lives revolve around just get together. Just get together, nibble on, on, on cucumber for all I care, but get together, sit at the table and share your faith. Share your love for one another. Share, have people at your table. I, 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 I guarantee you, once people have been at your table, they will always be your friends. They will never forget the depth of your love. In fact, Jesus made the dining table, our dining table, he made it the holiest place on earth. Did you know that? Our dining table, Jesus made it the holiest place on earth. Jesus didn't say go to church. Jesus said, every time you do this, Every time you sit around a fellowship meal along with other believers and every time you break bread because bread is broken when it doesn't have yeast in it, when it's hard. So on the Sabbath day or on the on those special days, when the days are without yeast, the days are without sin. Yeast is equivalent to sin. You break the bread. And when you break bread together, it's about having a meal together. He says, often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So he starts the meal and he ends the meal. And that is what we call communion. Communion was an actual meal, an actual meal. Do this in remembrance of me. For many of us, for many of us, we can't go. We can't go to other lands. We can't go to other countries. We can't go into missions. We can't, uh, we can't preach. We can't teach. We can't, you know, we, we don't have either the guts or we don't have the, the, the sacrifice. I don't know. Not all of us are cut out for it. Let's, let's just be honest. We're not all cut out for that kind of a lifestyle. But we can all be involved in ministry in this ministry of hospitality. We can all show our support for the frontliners. We can all show our support for their values and for their agenda by our hospitality. Did you know 
that your table is one of the greatest instruments for your ministry. When's the last time you had people over and you just showed the love of Jesus through a meal, a hot meal, my table for the gospel. I don't know what you're thinking right now and I don't know what all fears and inhibitions you're dealing with right now. But none of it matters when love swells. None of it matters when a missionary knocks on your door. In that moment, the love of Christ will take over. Don't worry. And Jesus will visit your home yet again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and I will sup, I will eat with him and he with me. This is one of the ways we do that when we serve his servants. Lord Jesus, would you give us these opportunities? Would you make our homes a pit stop for missionaries? Would you make our homes a missionary stop? We want our homes to be on the missionary journey of some people so that there are places where you go where you have to give and you have to serve. So these missionaries are tired. They're out there. They're doing their thing. And they're giving out and they're drained and they face opposition and they face jeering and persecution and all kind of ridicule. But then there's these stops in the homes of believers where they could get refreshed, where they remember that they are not alone, where they remember they're part of an army, a family. They're part of a kingdom that is not of this world. Lord, you have allowed for our homes and our tables to be just that. Lord, would you use us? Lord, would you open our doors? Lord, would you set our tables? And Lord, would you grace our tables with your servants so that your work becomes primary in our eyes and our children's eyes? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson. And if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you could do it. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.